Well, it's great to be with you, as I said. Really is. I mean it, not just words. I'm a kingdom man. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ to the utmost. And uh, it's just a delight to be amongst fellow brothers and sisters, uh, you know, wherever, isn't it? And um, this time it's not far. It's only, in fact, as you probably know, I live quite close uh, nowadays. And it is a delight to follow Jay Fallon. It is. Um, I'm, a, I'm a friend of Jay's, and I'm also a fan. We come with different styles, but the same passion. Amen. And um, it is, it's a real honor to, uh, to follow Jay and to, um, and to start something today together. <coughs> We're not new to the area. You know, I'm saying that in case you could be here for the first time. We've been in, uh, in Heaton in Newcastle now for four years plus. And uh, had a great time, I've got to say. We've really enjoyed being in, in the tune and, um, and ministering here in Newcastle. It's been, it's been a good four years, and we've, we've known God's blessing in that time, which, uh, by the grace of God, we very much appreciate. Um, a couple of things were mentioned before. Re, obviously, I come with things that are already planned for the year, as you would know, and that's why uh, Becky announced certain things. And obviously, it's just an open invitation. But uh, but things that are planned this year, I'll just quickly go through because we're two churches, but one heart. And this is not a takeover bid from the Newcastle City Church. Acorn Church is is a church in its own right and own. It's an entity. So, but we are one heart. And obviously we welcome you to things that are already planned. And a couple of things we're going to do this year is, first of all, amended conference. And I would love you to be there, men. It's going to be the start of something, I believe, for the area. Not just a church thing, but for the area. And that's 8th to 11th of Feb. And you, you can uh, book that on the poster that you saw earlier, or see me, whatever you want to do. Then there's Brave, which is the women's conference, April 19th to 21st. Again, great to, uh, to have you there. We are, one of our mission fields is Wales, and the reason for that is I lived there for a long time and uh, got a big heart for Wales. And we do trips to Wales, mission trips to Wales, that's gonna be in August. Again, you can talk to me for further details. We've also, in, before that in June, we've got a soul camp weekend, which is at Hollybush uh, Christian Fellowship, and that's over a weekend, June the 14th. All this I'll talk more about, but just, just as a heads up, as it were. And then uh, later in the year, as most of you know, we were, we were missionaries in Tanzania, nine years in total, and we still have a big heart there as well. So there's gonna be a, a missions trip going to Tanzania, um, on the 23rd of September or thereabouts for maybe 10 to 12 days. Just put those before you. And I'll speak more about things and let you know. And, you know, the, obviously the day will come where I'm saying this is going on at Acorn and, and, and what have you. You know that. These, these are things that are already planned and in place before uh, I arrived here. So, today, today, I want to speak about a journey into revival. And I don't say it lightly because I believe it's possible. I believe, um, it, I believe God wants it, but he wants some adjustments. And that's my take. I've been, I've been in pastoral ministry for 35 years maybe, a long time as a pastor and a missionary. And I've been a student all that time, and I still am, I have to tell you that. I'm still in school. I want to keep growing and learning. And uh, I've observed certain things that I believe we need to do to be able to expect revival. And um, are you prepared to accept less than this? Let me throw that question. Are we prepared? Are we comfortable? Are we prepared to say, we're doing, look, it's a full church already, isn't it? You know, and, and uh, it's great. That's great. Fantastic. But walk on the prom and particularly in spring or summer and you walk past hundreds and hundreds of people who don't know Jesus, don't we? You know, I, I'd walk it regular now. I walk past here regular now. 
purposely to pray and pray around the block and, and that kind of thing because obviously I, I live nearby. So, as I said, today, January 24th, 2024 that is, sorry, building on what has gone on here before, which we celebrate, we begin what I believe is a God-ordained journey together. And this has not been taken lightly by yourselves and us and our church leadership. It was first talked about over a year ago and then it died and we, we assumed this is not going to happen. But then it came alive again and that time as we sought God we believed, yeah, it's possible uh, for this and coming to a point where we absolutely believe it's God's will. Now we have to get to know each other. We have to take one step at a time. But we believe it's God's will. I want you to know that. This is not, a, a, you know, not something we've just added on or be nice to do this. And it, it, it's an experiment. You know, if it doesn't work, if Acorn doesn't think this is working, then we'll chat about it. If we don't think it's working, we'll chat about it. It's at ex experiment level, but it's permanent. You know, but not without change if necessary. I'm trying to assure you there, reassure you on, on those things. We've talked a lot about it. So if we're on a journey together, hallelujah, we are, to advance the kingdom, as Dean said. And, and um, it is more important than local church growth, advancing the kingdom. And I'll try and explain why I think that even within this sermon. So, no doubt the journey will require patient endurance and patient expectation. The two have to go hand in hand. And that comment's taken from the Apostle Paul's journey into new territory. He, he kept going into new territory, didn't he? Incredible when you look at his life. You know, it, when I get to heaven and I, I, I chat with the Apostle Paul, I think it's going to be a humbling experience. You know, we, in Wales, we had a lot of top rugby players as well in our church. And it was a very uh, culture of rugby. We were in the Rhondda Valley in Wales and, you know, the heart of Welsh rugby, really. And, and I used to say to these strong, hard guys, you know, you, but you wouldn't want to take your shirt off if the Apostle Paul had his off. You'd be a bit embarrassed if you were trying to say, look at this, when he took his shirt off and he said, look at this. So, we have a great example in the early church. And uh, he required those two things. Patient endurance under enemy attack without losing expectancy of what God had said. God sent him. But at times it didn't seem like God had sent him. And honestly, I was reading about this last week. It stopped me in my tracks. Because the writer was talking about this was the greatest gift that Paul had. Not the fact he, he raised the dead, didn't he? he? You know, all fantastic things. But he'd never had done that without the greatest gift, which was patient endurance. He had patient endurance linked to personal expectancy. And we can do something about that. It's in our hands. That thrills me. It thrills me about the future. It thrills me about what God has yet to do. And how we can, we can be a part of that in helping that to happen. It's not just, here we are in Whitley Bay today. Please, God, blow your wind and save everybody. It's not that, is it? It's partnership. You know, we, we can do nothing without him. But he tells us in him we can do all things. So we're going to attempt that. Amen? <laughs> so next time you look over the North Sea, have the Apostle Paul in mind. Imagine what it was like to be bobbing about in the open sea for a night and a day. Look as far as you can out there and think, Mm, the Apostle Paul was in the open sea, not where you paddle. He was out in the open sea, night and a day. That was just one of the things that Paul encountered as he advanced the kingdom. Can you see what I'm saying? 
I wonder what he was thinking during those hours. Do you think he was going, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. <laughs> Is there a shark under here? I've, been, I've done that. I've literally, I've not done a night and a day in the open sea, but as most of you know, I was in the Royal Navy and we used to have what was called hands to bathe. And that was when you pulled up somewhere, when you're really in the middle of the ocean and maybe four, or four o'clock and, the, and the, the, the captain would say, hands to bathe. So if you wanted to, you could jump over the side and they had patrol boats going around. But you did used to think, I wonder what's under there. <laughs> Is my front crawl fast enough? <laughs> so what was he thinking he must have thought have I misheard God has he abandoned me is he punishing me for previous sins have you ever had that one thrown at you he must have gone through those thoughts surely you know he must have gone back to when he did what he did against believers because the enemy throws those things at us doesn't he he throws what we did and, and stand that against the grace of God. And at times we quiver if it was bad stuff. And he reminds us of it, doesn't he? Well, I think Paul must have gone through all of that. He's in the open sea. At times he's there taking, you know, 49 lashes on his back more than once. What was he thinking? What do we think when it starts to go wrong? What do we think when what we're expecting doesn't happen immediately? Because it eventually happened for Paul. What God said he was going to do happened. By the way, I need to say this. I'm not planning on going out there <laughs> for 24 hours anyway. Not even in a wetsuit. St. Cuthbert went in the sea and spent all night praying in the sea. He felt led by God. I don't know why, but if you read up on him, he went off Holy Island and he went in the sea for a whole night to pray. There, you know, there, there, there's possible explanations of that because he, he, he healed the sick. He, he stopped a storm once. The, the fishermen's wives were all worried about their husbands out there. So it may have been linked to that, but that's what he did. How about it? take me a while to get my toe in there now <laughs> when you've lived in Africa and the Indian Ocean there's a bit of difference <laughs> you don't get any shock factor in the Indian Ocean <laughs> so it makes you a bit soft yeah. so Paul hadn't misheard God it was part of his advancement of the kingdom of God and that came with it an advancement that attracted opposition and spiritual warfare. I think we all know that persistence, resistance, and resilience are needed to advance the kingdom of God. And let me just say, well done, guys. You've been without a pastor six months, and, you know, just want to say, well done, those of you who've been involved in taking the church forward, not just standing still, forward in that time. Bless you. We've been used to taking churches on that, that, had, that had difficulties and, um, you know, it's a real pleasure to come where that's not the case. I'm not saying you haven't got problems, by the way, but I'm talking real difficulties that, you know, needed some attention. So, Acorn Church must be a place where people know that they will find help and results for their needs at every service and every juncture. We're, we're a place that gives life. And people in the community have to get to know that. You know, we've had prophecies of the, of, uh, of the Kingdom Life Church, the church I've been pastoring, obviously. We've had prophecies that were a beacon lit on a hill, that were a lighthouse. And, and uh, I, I had a wonderful experience on Friday. I got a phone call in the morning. And I looked at the name and it said Craig on it. And I thought, Craig, who do I know that's Craig as you do? I said, John, it's Craig here from Teen Challenge. I've got somebody with me to say hello. So the Craig came into our church in Wales 10 years ago, heroin addict. He was 
a wrecked human being. He was endangered dying. Simple as that. And he came, then he couldn't, you know, he, he, he left, he came back. And one day somebody prayed for him in, in, in a meeting, a prayer meeting actually, that he'd wandered into. And uh, he said, he, he told me this on Friday, that something broke at that point. He went to Teen Challenge, went through the program, and is now on staff there. So he hands me the phone. There's Paul. Paul wants to speak to you. Hi, Paul. Nice to hear you. John, I've changed since the last time you saw me. I said, fantastic, Paul. Five weeks ago, we won him to Christ on the street. He's now, he's now in Teen Challenge and doing well on their program, you know, their rehabilitation program. But it was the fact that the man with him had been through that same experience 10 years before and has stuck it out and he's serving the Lord. Married man with a child now and doing great. And Paul says, I'm going to be like Craig. So it was, it was just one of those moments that you're not planned or expecting because it's about changed lives. How many of you know that God has changed your life? You know, it, I'm, I, I, I can take myself back there to that time where, where he came into my life and I had no idea about what the Bible taught, really. I, I wasn't a, from a Christian family. I had no idea. And I, I had zero thought that I'd ever be a pastor or a missionary or be stood here today. Zero. Wasn't in my head. But there's power in transformation. And there's power in anybody who comes in here in the future can have a transformed life. And second to that is we can go on being transformed, praise God, to be more effective for Jesus. So in order to achieve it, we will increasingly, I believe, need to understand the following. The church can grow without an apostolic mindset. But it takes an apostolic mindset to advance the kingdom of God. There's a difference. We can grow churches by putting all sorts of things on and attracting people. But because numbers grow doesn't necessarily mean the kingdom of God's advancing. That's a different matter. Now, as I go on, let me just tell you, I'm not coming here looking for a title of, of uh, apostle. I'm speaking about being apostolic, us being apostolic. I'm not a person for titles anyway, to be quite honest with you. You know, I come as John. And that's not to dishonor, you know, positions. It's just personal. I, I believe it's right to be honorable to people who carry titles, etc. But personally, you know, it doesn't affect me at all that. But so I want that to be clear. I'm speaking about us. And, you know, over time, I'll hopefully make that clear. I'll try and do it a little bit today. But apostolic mindset, it's different to local church mindset. It really is. And we have an opportunity to do it. So the reason that I've said that is this. Kingdom advancement is primarily internal. Because kingdom living places responsibility on we believers to grow in character and perpetually so as we grow into kingdom citizens. So an apostolic mindset is the challenge that we keep growing, we keep developing, we, we keep uh, um, our characters in the forefront of what Jesus wants to do. And as that happens, there's a powerful release of kingdom advancement, kingdom anointing, kingdom power. An apostolic mindset gives a lead in how to live out the agape love commands. It is this that brings answered prayer and kingdom victory. Robert Murray McShane, who some of you will be aware of, preached the following. I like it. I like what he said here. He spoke about universal holiness of life. Universal holiness of life. And he said, your all use, usefulness depends on this. For sermons last but an hour or two, they must have done in his day, 
your life preaches all week. That was his point. Hallelujah to that. Hallelujah to that. You see, I'm, I'm very much charismatic. I absolutely believe in the gifts of the Spirit. Absolutely believe in praying for the sick. In all the things we believe as Pentecostals. Absolutely believe then in the charismatic church. And I want to say that before I say what I'm about to say. But I believe we charismatics have inadvertently sought to bypass the soul in ministering spiritual things. And that places the charismata above character. It needs correcting. So we don't abandon the charismata, but we make sure it flows out of character. Does that make sense to you, the way I've said it? We're not, we're not saying, oh, we don't want to believe that God heals people, or we want to believe more that God heals people. We're not stopping believing that we can bind and loose things and, and that we can take on principalities and powers. What we are saying is, so often in my almost 40 years now, in, in, born again in, in an Elim Pentecostal church, I've observed, and I've observed things I don't like. Though I love his church, I love being part of Elim as, as I would if I'd have become something else, you know? But I've observed, where's the flaw? It's in character. It's in character. Now, this is not, I'm not coming here today because I've heard you've got bad character. I've heard the opposite. I'm talking about where we want to go, where we want to go as a church. What do we want to place emphasis on? How, how do we get the best of what God promises for the sake of the people and the benefits into our own lives? So we need the apostolic mindset in order to make disciples. And an apostolic mindset places emphasis on winning the battles through prayer and the word. It starts there. Not just to remove darkness, but with the aim of building God's people. I heard this the other day, and they said, look around at the, the least of the Christians you know. Because if you saw that same person beyond this life and in glory, you'd probably want to worship them. Because of how they looked. Do you realize where we're going? I've got a funeral tomorrow actually. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to make sure the gospel comes out. In a nice gentle way. The people, they're burying their mom. And they're Christians. So I'm not just there, you know. I always try and weave truth in whoever it is. But I'm not really restricted tomorrow. But I'll do it in gentleness and, you know, in, in a way that's appropriate. But I know I'm going to do it. Because people need the Lord. And as one evangelist said, at all cost, win the lost. Because people last forever. They go somewhere. The spirit never dies. That's why, that's why we think, could God do that? Could God send people to, to hell? Could, you know, it's against our loving natures, isn't it? But people last forever, so they have to go somewhere. And only in Christ do they go to heaven. So they go somewhere else. And it needs to be made clear. Because it's not made clear often, is it? If we're honest. So, we must mend people, guys. I've realized this, that some need healing. Many need healing, of course. But most need mending. It's like the two guys I spoke about. It hasn't just happened. It hasn't just happened that they're now in Teen Challenge growing in God. It's not just happened. You know, for Craig, it's 10 years. It, you know, he, he'd gone through all the stages of it, but he's now a godly man leading others. For Paul, he got saved in our basement. You know, we, we, we have a grocery store in Kingdom Life Church. And you're welcome to use that. It costs five pounds to shop there. But it's, you get great value for five quid. You become a member then. It's, and you can go every day if you wanted. Uh, it's open five days a week. I'll, I'll get that info to you in case you, know, you want to take advantage of that. Just to say. But he got saved down there. 
uh, those five weeks ago. And now he's on course to be set free and become a man of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the king. I already walk on here thinking, how many of you can get, can we get saved? <laughs> Up these streets, so many houses around here, isn't there? Some of you may live in them, actually. I don't know that, but, but my goodness, there's a harvest field out there. So the onus is, because people last forever, we're going to do our utmost to get them saved. Amen? I know I follow somebody with those sentiments, and I know you're a church who believes that, guys. Anything I challenge today is not because I think, uh, you know, you're not there or anything. It's because I'm passionate for the future. And we haven't got yesterday. As Sheila said, or, or, or maybe Becky said earlier, 23 is gone. Never to be again. And, you know, it won't be long before we say, my goodness, it's Christmas already. <laughs> we do that every year, don't we? How can, it, how can it be Christmas? Where did that year go? So the apostolic mindset approaches kingdom living through the process of us dying. That's dying to self, of course. Dying to self means the removing from the soul, the soul being the mind, will, and the emotions of all that should not be there. And we know what that is. It's sin. It's a bad attitude. It's character flaws. And replacing those things with the fruit of the Spirit. And they don't reside in your spirit. You, inside of you and me, we've got the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. What possibilities does that give us? Same spirit, not a diluted one. So my journey has been to get what he's put in me out through me. And I realize this, that the issues are in the soul. The mind, will, and the emotion. Even to the point of the demonic affecting our lives. Taking hold of the words I read from uh, McShaney's words. You and I should be the nicest person that people meet this week. That means more to me than whether we can pray in tongues, lay hands on the sick, or, you know, obviously if we get results, hallelujah for that. We don't need to be perfect to do that. But I'm telling you what, as in terms of long-term community ministry, people in Whitley Bay need to meet us as nice people. Amen? Amen. Do you believe me? It's the truth. It's the truth. That's what they remember. That's what they remember. Often, often we preachers, somebody will get saved in a meeting and they'll tell you later, they'll say, I haven't a clue what the preacher said, <laughs> but people were so warm and friendly. It's a duty. It's a duty, but it don't come easy because if you're saved as an adult, in particular saved as an adult, you're formed. You're formed when you get saved. And the grooves are deep. And so there has to be a reformation of us. The new creation has to be re reformed into what we should be. So adopting a kingdom mindset and developing kingdom culture transforms everything. And I mean everything. Can we together be willing to learn new things and to find answers that raise our patient expectancy. The evangelist John J. J. John said, John J. J. John, every Christian needs to grow in their faith, whether by an event, events, or process. But so much of my observations, in my own life as well, so much of the charismatic church has relied on events. We don't do it as much now, but it was always, you know, and again, if I drop a name here, it's not being critical. I'm just saying how it used to be. It's oh, Benny Inns in Birmingham. If only you can get to there, your life will be transformed. Actually, not in one day, unless something miraculous happens. It doesn't happen that way. You know, Reinhard Bonke is in Sheffield. You know, I've been, I've been to lots of meetings like that. Don't get me wrong. Praise God for them. But we all know that it's more in the process than in the event. So it's a daily thing, isn't it? So much uh, 
of us have presented events as the main way of growing as a child of God. Therefore, it's possible to fall into Pentecostal, a Pentecostal charismatic trap. And here it is in the Apostles Paul's words. When was the last time you read this? Not a challenge, just how deep this is. They read it at secular weddings, Princess Di's funeral. This was read. You know what I'm going to say? 1 Corinthians 13. They read it like it's a little, little ditty. And it says this, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, translated agape, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. How about this one? If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have agape love, I am nothing. Now you imagine if Dean came up here now and you realize this man can solve all mysteries. He's got the faith to move mountains. You know, he's going to open three more Caruso's on this beach. I've been there, as you can imagine. We'd be saying, what a man. What a man. If John, if John Bullock's come, if John Bullock could do that, we'd be in awe. And God says, examine. Has he got a gap in his heart? Because if he hasn't, he's nothing. He's nothing. And I believe worldwide at the moment, God's correcting his church. We've seen one after another failures of people who were household names, haven't we? If you, if you keep up with it. And uh, does God stop loving them? Absolutely not. Do we judge them? Absolutely not. But we take heed and say something's wrong. Something's wrong and it has to be correct, corrected. And it has to be corrected in local fellowships like this. We have to think differently. Because the third one here it actually gets worse to a degree of a false challenge here. Because he said... If I give all I possess to the poor, everything. Anybody here willing to do that today? Everything you've got. Bank account, your house, everything. To the poor. If I do that and give my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have agape love, I gain nothing. So... In short, we're talking about agenda and reason of why we do things. Why we want to see a church grow. I, I, I answer now. When people say to me about uh, Kingdom Life Church, how many people you've got? I say, how many what? Or how many have you got now? How many what? Sunday service is this number, but, but that's not the nucleus of the church. They attend church, but they're not really the nucleus. Smaller than that. Because I don't like it. I don't like the pressure that numbers place on us. That that's the only significance you've got. And I'm speaking to a full church. It's fantastic, guys. Fantastic. But hey, if that's the only thing, you know, that, that signals we've got some kind of success, then we're in trouble. But it is. The worst thing in pastors' meetings is if you've gone down a bit and somebody asks you how many you, how many you got now. <laughs> And the last time you told them you had more than you've got now. <laughs> Immediate failure drips all over you. I'm a failure. Oh, it's, it's a shocker. It really is. It comes second after how you doing and then how many you got now. Oh, I'm too old to play that game. You see... We don't want to be resounding gongs or clanging cymbals in God's eyes, do we? However, you know, this level sees us. Do we want to be a resounding gong? Even though we speak in tongues and, and you know, can worship him in tongues? No. It gets worse. Do we want to be nothings in God's sight? No. Do we want to gain nothing? No. 
In my view, the trap I mentioned is that we have readily promoted gifting above the character that releases the giftings. I thought I'd been switched off then. <laughs> Be a shocker, wouldn't it? <laughs> See, uh, he only lasted one day. It'd be a shocker, wouldn't it? Oh, dear. Oh, it'd be a shocker, that. What would I tell everybody? Hmm. <laughs> Aye. So, we placed giftings above the character that correctly releases the giftings. When I was in Wales... We had an irate neighbor. I've probably said this here before, actually, because it was a big moment in my life. I was a young pastor at the time. It was, it was a Polish veteran who lived literally next door to the church, and he constantly complained about the noise. And one day, he phoned in. I was in the office, and he phoned in, and he started swearing at me. Last night, you know, we were at two meetings in the day. Last night, it was shocking, you know, and really swearing badly. And I said... I'm not listening to this, I'll come round and see you. And I went round and knocked on his door. And when the door opened, he had an iron bar like this. And, you know, I had a split second to think, and I couldn't think of an answer, so I just said, in Jesus' name, put that down. And honestly, this is what happened. He went, oh, Jesus, he put it down. Do you know, he became my friend. The joke is this, because he invited me round a bit later, it was near Christmas time, and the first time he invited me round, <laughs> he had an iron bar. The second time, he offered me sherry. <laughs> he became a friend. He became... So, you know I'm not saying... I'm, I'm actually encouraging the gifts for all of us. That's what, we're doing. That's what we're doing at Kingdom Life as well. We're trying to get people to see what they can do. Don't rely on those who are on air just or whatever, those with titles. Hey, you've got the same spirit in you that raised Christ from the dead. So we have to find a way of releasing him, an unblocked way of him, that spirit flowing out of us. We, we know to what levels it can be because Peter's shadow was healing people. Huh? Is that possible? Peter's probably the closest who came to committing the unpardonable sin. And in time he was doing that. What a story of restoration, eh? I've got to move on quickly, I know that, and I am. So, agape love, it says, is patient. It's kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast, it's not proud, it does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love, agape level, never fails. Never fails. So if we want a failure-free future... Let's address these things. They're not easy. The enemy will fight it like mad. But I want to be more tomorrow than I've ever been. I hope you do. I'm no spring chicken. But I still want to be more tomorrow. I want to be able to do more tomorrow. I want to be confident that if I go into a place and somebody's sick, that they can get healed. When I was a missionary in the bush, I, uh, this is, I'm talking first time I was a missionary. It was late 90s. I'd be in the bush somewhere, and it was the AIDS epidemic. And they'd say, some of them had never seen a white man before. And they'd say, oh, we're okay, the man of God's here. And there'd be somebody lying on the floor in the last throes of life. And, I'd, I'd, and they'd, they were expecting me, because there's no other hope. There's no medical facilities. And I used to think, oh, please, Lord, don't let their expectations think I can do anything about this. God taught me a lesson. Well, research then how you can do this. And it's taken me years to, to understand the levels I do. I've understood bits as I've gone along the way and seen people healed, of course. But what's the blockage then? Because if I don't heal that person, they are going to die. They're not going in, into uh, one of the hospitals. There isn't any. Certainly in those days there wasn't. 
So these three remain faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. We build love into us. Let me move on quickly here, guys, because there's a second piece of scripture I want you to know in line with this, because it really tells us how we can get our prayers answered. And it's John 15, 7. It says, he cuts every branch that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burn. If you notice how many times the word remain appears there, it's actually six times in those six verses. Six times. Remain is there. So a logical question that I began to ask through failure really and through trying to understand that how can I bring my life in line with what the Bible says I can do? What I can do beyond myself? What I can do supernaturally when I can't do any more of what I can do? You know, and this was born in me in extreme poverty. Refugee camps, etc. Where you couldn't believe the levels of, of how people were living and dying. So, six times. So it's important. So the logical question is, if, if it's telling us to remain, and six times it's saying it in six verses, how do we remain? What do we have to do? It's easier than we think, yet it's harder than we think. Because it says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That's 15 verse 7. If you, re- and, you know, the more times I read that, I thought, well, what's wrong then? What's wrong? So I want to be a person where, where you're doing You're responding to all that I'm asking you to do because I care about people. I care about my unsafe family. I care about sick people. people. I've been close to serious, serious health, as you would know myself. On more than one occasion where I thought, you know, I was on my way. So I needed this to be true. I needed the gospel to be true in the sense that we have power to deal with things, including sickness. So why, why are we so limited if that's true? So why, Lord? How do we remain? He says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my Agape. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, my agape, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. So there's the answer. We remain by keeping his commands. It's clear, clear as a whistle. Verse 10 of, 15, uh, of, of John 15. We remain by keeping his commandments. So the next thought is, how, you know, we're not legalistic people. How do we keep 613 commands in order to get this? We're not going to do it, are we? We're going to fail along the way. So the next question is, what commands then should we keep? And we go to verse 12. I've told you this surrounding verse 12. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Here it is. Here it is. Here's the challenge for us. My command, my command. Notice there's no S on it now. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. There it is. But it's agape again. Highest form of love. Not the highest form of human love, which is conditional. It's the highest form. And in another place, Jesus says, how are Whitley Bay going to know about us? I'll tell you how. Increasingly, they know already, but increasingly, this is what scripture says. By this, the world will know that you belong to me. By what? 
the agape you have for one another. Because nobody else can pull it off. No other religion, no other group of people except us. Because it's a love that has to come from God into us in order to flow through us. And that's why we remove the blockages, hallelujah. It's why people in the past sold themselves into, into, into mines and became slaves for the rest of their lives just to reach those slaves who were down there. It's why the Jim Elliots went to the Orca Indians at 26 years of age, knowing he's probably going to die, but he wanted to reach him with the gospel. And coming out with that famous quote, he's no fool who, 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 who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. They, I, I, I used to say, I don't feel like a real missionary. Because we can easily get home on planes. When they went years ago, they went on a ship. Some of them took their own coffins. That's the company we keep as believers. Hallelujah. 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 Now, I'm pretty sure God's not going to ask us to do that or spend a night and day in the open sea. But I'm pretty certain he is going to say, love with agape. And everything else is going to come if you do. You're going to see levels that you've not seen before. Two minutes, I am coming to an end. I appreciate the time. It's my first one here. So it's important that I put over my heart to you today. My command is this. Any ex-military here? Any? Arthur? Yeah. Thanks, guys. You know as well as I do, as an ex as ex-military, when you're commanded to do something, what do you do? <laughs> you realize it's not a request, don't you? It's not a request. In other words, you can not do it. I think you know this. I mean, I was Royal Navy, and my job was radar. And, and so when we fired missiles, you didn't see the enemy. You fired them radar-linked missiles a long way. You know, it wasn't seeing the enemy. So when I was 19, I got drafted to Northern Ireland. 1977, the heart of the troubles. I couldn't believe it. I was one of only 26 Royal Navy personnel to be at war, active service, in the world at that time. It was before Falklands. I was the only, one of 26, and I was with a, a unit of Royal Marines in the, in the bandit country, so-called, in Northern Ireland. Some of you guys may have served there as well. And did I want to go? No. I was in the world at the time. I got on a ferry in Liverpool, and I had eight pints of Guinness. Put me out. Put me out. Because this was the thought I had. It's likely that within the next six months, I'll either have killed somebody or I'll be dead. That was the reality of it. Was the reality. So why did I not go? Because there were consequences to disobey a command. I was under command. Our commander-in-chief commands us. And you know as well as I do, if you're honest, by and large, the church of Jesus Christ has totally ignored it. I used to think I've been in churches that overemphasize deliverance or prosperity or went down a list, but I've never yet been in one where I think they overemphasized agape love. Maybe this church is one. that I'm coming to something like that. You great people. But I'll tell you what, it's worth the battle. It's, it's worth the challenge because what comes with it, what comes with it are the benefits that Scripture says are ours as kingdom citizens. But in order to get the benefits of the kingdom, we have to live as a kingdom citizen, not a church attender. Amen? Amen. Amen. I hope you agree. What we're going to do, obviously we're going to be a part of the week. It, we're, we're still working on it. We can't do that. Uh, we're gonna, I'd love you to come on Monday the 15th. Is it 15th, Sheila? Isn't it? It's, it's called Meet John and Debbie or a night. I don't know what they call it. We're not going to do an act up here. You know, but we are able to answer questions. You know, get to know us a bit. And then after that, we're going to meet on Monday nights. And more, we'll tell more about that. And we'll be here at some point in the week. We're having to balance things, obviously. You know, two churches, one heart. But, but we're confident that we can do that. More will come later. I realize in, 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 you know, in one meeting, 
we're not able to communicate that much. But um, what I've brought you is my heart. It's my heart. You know, I, I could have spoken, I could have tried to impress you today because I've got loads of sermons, you know. I could, honestly, I mean, I, because I write things down, I've got loads and loads, and you think, what shall I take? Maybe they'd like that one. But I wrote this this morning because I wanted you to hear my heart. I want you to know my heart. Some of you may not like it. I'm, I'm used to that. I don't, I don't for one moment think it's 100% people saying, oh, great, John Bullock's coming. I've lived through all that. You know, I'm, I'm too, as I said earlier, I'm too long in the tooth to worry about it. I believe it's God's will that we're here and we're going to put our heart into what we're doing. We're going to get to know you, going to love you, going to stand shoulder to shoulder and move things forward. Now, the final thing is this. I want us at Acorn Church to commit to the process of increasingly learning how we can remain. And how do we do that on Monday, Tuesday? Not in this building, but how do we do that? How we serve God in this building, but also how do we live amongst our family, our neighbours? What do they see in us? Daily lives. I want us to commit to that process, not tomorrow I'm going to be this. And the part of us that silently preaches every day of the week, silently preaches. Reinhard Bonnke went into a garage one day. Probably you've heard this story. He's got an assist, you know, one of the pump assistants filling him up and looking at him like this. And the guy says to him, you've got strange eyes, sir. And he said, well, you know, Jesus lives in here. And sometimes he comes up to look out the windows. <laughs> it's nice, isn't it? So if you need a fresh commitment today, either for the first time, I don't know everybody say it, for the first time, let this be the day, the start of the new year, where you give your life to Jesus Christ. 